filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter. You deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Guys, normally this is a spot where either one of us tells an adorable child story or a story that arguably is completely off topic. Uh, and by argue, I mean is definitely definitively off topic. Uh, but I actually uh, just wanted to say thanks to, I, I don't know who, but some of our listeners I'm sure were part of this. Um, we had a thing at the site, uh, I think I mentioned it on one show here, where people could buy the Prime Blue jersey. Uh, through a link that we had, and it wouldn't raise their costs, and it would send some money to us. And more more money showed up than I was expecting, which was I was expecting like $20 maybe. And it's not like I got like a massive windfall. has not changed my – it's not a life-changing amount of money. But it was nice to see that uh, some people did uh, take us up on that. That's something that I can go back and tell people at SB Nation, please do this, uh, and we'll get some money. Uh, and that's nice hey, because Adam, our, our people will actually follow through. So hey, Adam, you, I haven't heard anything about this money. Yeah, this is news to me. Where's my money, Jason? Uh, yeah, Jason, well, where's my money? Adam and Ben, who did not write the article uh, attached to this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have bad news. It's in my bank account. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I did wanted to. Uh, I, I wanted to thank. Uh, I hope the people that got the incorrect jersey are either. I know some of you were happier with that one. I don't know if that had anything to do with our thing. No, I never heard back about that at all. Um, I mean, it's the fact that they made the wrong jerseys. Yes, that seems like the original. Very confusing. Um, But it seemed like some people liked their darker blue and orange one. I like no. I like like I didn't order them, but I the darker blue one is better. See, I I actually I preferred the one that DC got in the end. I just didn't think that that shade of blue went with that orange, but I think that's just my problem. But in any case, it, it sounded is. like a lot of the people that received the blue and orange one were happy with it. Uh, and I hope that I hope you got whichever one you wanted. Is is the lo- the long way around? Uh, I'm I'm glad people seem to like them and that they did this. And hopefully, I can get SB Nation to do more stuff like that. Uh, it does make a difference. It is a nice boost to find out that those things are not just like being put out into the world and then nothing happens, which is one of the major uh, issues with doing a podcast or a blog is you don't know if anyone's actually really, you can see who listened to it, but it's, you know, did it make an impact on them? Was it bots? I don't know, but this is one of those things where it's like, Oh, there's a tangible thing later that says that it wasn't bots. So that's nice. Money is not bots as, as we know. I mean, it might be. It might be bots. Mo- uh, the, the idea of money currency. is often bots, Adam. Yeah, have you, that's have you, true. Have that's you heard point. of crypto? Yeah, we're in I, dark times as far as that goes. I thought we rejected crypto on this podcast already. I mean, we do, but it still exists. It's it's we can call around it us. A, a farcical nonsense, but that it is tap 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 and tapping at our chamber door. Can I take? Can I take crypto? Invite it into my cellar, promise it some amatiado, and then just like brick it up in my in my cellar. 
Yes, please do that. Actually, yeah. yes, we want you to do that. That would the world would be a better <laughs> place if you cask of Amontillado'd crypto as a concept behind that wall. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Sounds welcome great. in. This is filibuster, the black and red united, and uh, currency as a concept. I don't know. Podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson, where we are constantly debating internally, but not externally, whether currency is real. We also talk about DC United. We're all from blackandredunited.com. I mean, that's pretty easy. It's not (laughs) real. Um, We're we're, we're walking down a path tonight, apparently. Um, Tonight, we're opening up the Twitter box. We're answering your questions about DC United and whatever other very not DC United topics you asked us. in the second episode this week, later on, we will have Lizzie Becherano uh, from 90minute.com on to preview DC United's visit from Inter-Miami, the second leg of this apparent home-and-home home series. Uh, I would say DC United leads the aggregate three to nothing, but that, you know, everyone's done that joke. So instead, I will tell you, you can watch it at Audi Field. With not a, even a thing. With the capacity crowd. Uh this Saturday, 8 p.m., if you can't make it down there, NBC Sports Washington, Teleexitos, DCUnited.com, and ESPN+. Plus are your ways to watch that. Before we uh, get into the Twitter box, though, Ben, what are you drinking? Um, I bought a lot of different uh, uh, fruit juices recently because reasons. No need to worry about them. Um, but one of them was... It sounds so much uh, more suspicious. Yeah, sure. I wasn't going to ask, um, but now I want to know. One of them was uh, uh, raspberry lemonade, like a, a pink lemonade, but specifically raspberry flavored. And so I mixed a little of that, some uh, LaCroix, and then a dash of vodka to make like a, a, a lemonade spritzer kind of thing. And it's it's decent. It's summery. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I very nearly made a white wine spritzer tonight, but I had no seltzer or club soda. So instead I made a Manhattan. How? I don't know. We ran out. That's like the that's like the opposite drink. You, everyone knows I love Manhattans, but that, that's like the opposite drink. Yeah, I mean, it's not that warm tonight compared to like yesterday when it was insanely hot. But yeah, I mean, it's a cold drink at least. So I don't know. I I saw what I saw and I made what I made. Choices were made. Anyway, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I had plans to do a uh, gin and cherry-based cocktail that a friend of mine had made, and I thought, that sounds really good. And then yesterday I went to the grocery store and bought some things, and I did not buy the cherries, which means I can't do the cocktail. So instead, I have uh, Cazadores Blanco on the rocks. So I'm keeping it extremely simple because I botched the other simple task, which was purchase cherries. I even had a list. It said cherries. It just didn't do it. Uh, yeah, we made, um, or my wife yesterday made some uh, delicious Georgia on my mind cocktails with peaches that came from our kids' elementary school garden. Nice. Because they were, like, it was the last day to get them because the bugs were were taking them over. And so we mm-hmm. got peaches and made cocktails with them. It was delicious. Did you get, Adam, did you get millions of peaches? Uh, peaches for free? No, and it turns out peaches don't come from a can. They they come from trees, but were they free? They were, they were peaches. And were they free. for me? No, they were for me. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Every now and then, 
I will dedicate a show <laughs> to answering your questions. Yeah. I'll let you push on that. I had yeah. I had two different other non-related Peaches musical act references, but I feel like <laughs> wow. we don't need 15 more minutes of that. So Adam, continue towards the Twitter box, please. Uh, yeah, tonight is one of those Twitter box shows. Before we open up the Twitter box, though, uh, big piece of news around these parts. Jaime Moreno, uh, the founding member of the 100 Goals, 100 Assists Club in Major League Soccer, has finally been elected to the North American Soccer Hall of Fame or is it the National Soccer Hall of Fame? Either way, it doesn't matter. I don't respect I, I don't recognize him as an institution yet. Kevin Payne, uh the original president of DC United, the architect of those early dominant teams and uh a, a big favorite of a lot of the supporters, uh also elected to the Hall of Fame. Just missing it was Marco Echeverri, who finished just behind Moreno in the balloting. And I guess only one person gets elected from the veteran category. I don't know how it works. It it doesn't matter how it works, because until Marco Echeverri and Jaime Moreno are both in it, it is not a legitimate American Soccer Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned. But we're closer to it being legitimate now. And I think that was worth that's worth reporting to our listeners. Um. Also big news, Audi Field will be at capacity for the first time since February of 2019, or maybe early March, very early March of 2019, whenever that game against Miami was. So the last uh, game March at full 7th. capacity, March 7th. The last game of, at full capacity was against Miami, and now we emerge again against Miami uh, this weekend. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that or if I should jump straight into the Twitter box. My, I mean, we're going to talk I, about Miami a lot later. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I, in the next episode. I would note yeah. that um, with the Hall of Fame thing, it's been this, this is after some moves were made to improve the voting process so that it was less restrictive. Um, I believe I believe 2019 there was a, a thing or maybe 2020 was the year where um, I, I think like one person got in and everyone's like, OK, this has gone from being uh, bad to actually a farce. Um so I'm glad that they made some adjustments, though obviously they still need to make more. Uh, there's no reason to only induct one veteran per year. That's making right. a rule for no reason. There's nothing gained from this. We don't, it's, we don't have to follow baseball and having yes, uh, we obscure rules for no reason. And, and in a similar note, we shouldn't follow baseball because, uh, and this is about Hope Solo instead of uh, Echeverria Moreno, Um, but you know, people are punitive towards hope solo for some non-soccer things and it's ridiculous. Um, and and she's the best goalkeeper in the history of goalkeeping. Like everyone knows that this is why she's not in, it's not soccer related at all. Um, and it's that baseball thing of like, let's, let's make sure the person matches the culture of the sport or whatever. And it's not the the national hall of fame for people that match the culture of what the voter base of that group picks. It's a soccer hall of fame. It's what you did for soccer. Yeah. Um, and it's well, not like ironically, transgressions are like, you know, horrible, like nation changing people died, etc. It's nothing like that. Like, or even like, like Ted Williams, go, ironically in baseball, yeah. Ted Williams, terrible human being, many demonstrably well, sure. bad things unanimously elected to the inaugural right. hall of fame class in baseball. Well, it's not even like hope solo <laughs> did like things to subvert the game. Like right. Pete Rose did 
he bet against his own team uh, while he was manager to, and tried to subvert the own game he played. P- people just don't like Hope Solo because they don't like her personality. And that's terrible. She was, she's the best goalkeeper in the history of soccer. So you have to put her in. Yeah. yeah. Hope Solo needs to be in the hall. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a slam dunk. And, yeah. Don't be like baseball hall of fame voters. I don't know if any of you are listening to this podcast, but if you are, and maybe if you are listening to this podcast, you probably don't need us telling you this. Cause a lot, it's not like she got no votes. She got plenty of votes, just not enough to meet the, the standard to clear the bar. And that's, that's silly. Uh, we're actually, this first question, we're going to keep it in, in Woso. Uh, it's from Don at SMC ultra on Twitter and, uh, shouts to him because his kid just graduated from high school. My oldest just turned seven. My younger one turns four tomorrow. As we record this, I I cannot fathom having a high school graduate, uh, from the next generation. So Don, you're doing, you're doing great work over there. I'll also shout out, Don does not look, uh, nearly old enough. Uh, he's doing quite well in the aging department in that he's not a good job because, uh, that, that boat, uh, sometimes I wake up and feel like it has come very hard for me. Uh, and so, uh, you're looking, you're looking good for, for a dad high school graduate. That's, that's pretty great, Don. Good job. Yeah. Our, one of our official goals now as a podcast. Defying like the Don, aging because he's, he's doing a lot of things right over there. He says, uh, this isn't MLS or technically DC United related directly, but he wants to know how we think the DC United W league team impacts the spirit. DC United announced that they or USL announced that they are reforming the W league as a second division women's league uh, and DC United will be one of the founding teams. Uh, we don't know what the team name will be. Uh, if they'll revive the DC United women brand or if it'll be something else, we're pretty sure they're going to play at Segra field, but um, yeah, it's, it's a good question. How does this affect the spirit who are a partner of DC United's a tenant I mean, of DC United's both at Audi field and Segra and uh, DC United hasn't exactly been a great landlord to them already. Well, yeah. So what do you think, Ben? How I'm, does this affect the spirit? Right. I'm, I'm going to give my opinions and then Jason will come, come in with his much more uh, informed opinions. Uh, I don't think it's going to affect the spirit that much because the, I feel like the uh, uh, new W League is positioning themselves as a step below the NWSL. So I think, I mean, I don't trust DC United in this terribly, but I'm hoping that maybe they could form a, a, some sort of pathway, maybe more like the um, relationship between the Richmond kickers and DC United back in the day and, and, and less like the, the loud United relationship, but I'm hoping there can be uh, some sort of of pathway to the pro between pros between those two teams. But I, I don't, I don't see them competing against each other because the NWSL is still going to be the top-tier league, and the top-tier uh, players are still going to play for that league. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's going to be a major hit to the spirit from a business perspective. Um, I am still a little surprised that DC United's getting in on this, given that we seem to go back and forth between whether this team is uh, – financially in better shape or not like every week it seems or not every week but like once a month we get a data point that goes in one direction or the other but nothing that's like whiplash forms a pattern yeah um and expanding to add another team is definitely in the 
we have money now uh, department, um, which goes against, you know, a team that couldn't have fans for a year while they were also paying off multiple stadium loans and building a training ground. Um, So I don't know what their intentions are. The team hasn't really said much of anything beyond announcing that they're going to do it. Um, So there's really not a lot of information at this point, uh, even available to media. Uh, So that side of it is kind of, there's a little bit of it where I'm just at this point, I don't want to say too much because I just genuinely don't know. Um, But I I do think, I I will say one thing, because Adam, you mentioned the DC United women branding. Um, That was actually Bill Lynch's uh, team. Uh, So I don't know uh, if he owns that that concept or, or how that worked out because he, you know, got rid of that name when NWSL came around. Um, I imagine he doesn't own it completely because the name is DC United women. Um, he probably doesn't own that phrasing. Uh, but right. I assume that part was licensed. (laughs) I would, yeah, that would seems like a safe assumption, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see what the team has planned. Uh, how professional USL intends to make this league from the start. Um, whether we're talking about professional in the loosest sense, uh, or something where the, maybe the highest wage isn't that far from an end of ESL minimum salary. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of unknown detail. I actually feel like I know more about the Minnesota team, um, which that group was prepared for a full rollout straight away. Um, I feel like I know more about what they're up to than the DC one. So at this point, it's still early enough where, um, I don't know a lot, but I also, I don't think it's going to hit the, the spirit too hard at the least. I do wonder though, how many people are going to be coming to this? Um, If you've got DC United and the spirit and Loudon all in the area, all professional soccer teams at a certain point, you're kind of running out of soccer fans who will come to pay money to attend soccer games, whether, whether they are, NWSL or MLS or USL or USL women or NISA. If you, if you're out towards the Plex and the Maryland, right. well, yep. like it's, it's a like, market that's very crowded. Like Jason, like, do you think DC, the DC United ownership group is going to continue to support this team? If they get 500 fans a game. I don't know. I mean, um, it, it almost question. strikes me as some, as a way to put events at Segra field. Because be they, part of it, yeah. The, the the organization obviously wants more events at Sagra. They're pushing the spirit to play all their games at Sagra, which I think is ridiculous because they can sell way more tickets than Sagra can fit. And you can build yeah, up. Maybe the spirit they're to, maybe they're to come close to a... selling out Audi Field almost every week. And so I I think the best case scenario, the optimist yeah. look at this, and I don't know that this will necessarily be the case, but it lets the organization get those dates filled at Segra and lets them market to the exurban community out West to try to get them to come to women's soccer games at Segra. And it frees the spirit to come to Audi field. Maybe the, maybe DC United charges them more rent, but they can sell a lot more tickets, get a lot more bodies, sell a lot more merch, more concessions and everything else. But we get the spirit at Audi field full time in this W league team out at Segra. That's the best case scenario in my mind. I don't yeah, know maybe, if that's where we end up. 
Yeah, I mean, like like you said, maybe they're looking for a replacement tenant for uh, Segra Field because I think they're expected to have a number, uh, uh, X number of uh, games there per year. And if the Spirit are looking to move to Audi Field sooner rather than later, that their, their timeline is advancing, they might need a, a new tenant more quickly. Yeah, and it'd be great if, because this will be a mostly a summertime league, if I understand correctly Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a a spring to fall league the way nwsl and mls are so it you know it kind of strikes me like the the mpsl um a little bit where you get a lot of college kids who come in for the summer spend their time on this team and that creates a scouting opportunity for the spirit honestly so this could actually be a way for the partnership to become closer between the two organizations again that's the optimist best case scenario don't know if it'll play out that way but there, there are opportunities here for the Spirit to actually improve their own lot and and DC United to re- improve their relationship with the Spirit. And one thing I do want to correct myself. I, I mentioned uh, professional. I'm, I'm remembering now this is a pre-professional league. They, they're actually kind of um, uh, it seemed like they were going out of their way on the team websites to make it clear that this would be something where college players could play. So this might be more in line with um, the model that uh, is now USL League Two, but used to be for many, many years was the PDL. The PDL. Yeah, yeah the um, PDL. that's what yeah. most and of so, us remember it as. Yeah, and so if this is a PDL style league, um, you would have a situation where college players are allowed to uh, play without losing their eligibility, um, and that's what would mostly stock those teams if they follow that model strictly. But it, it, you know, it's so early that it could be a situation where there's some of that, and then some of some players are making a, you know, a per diem or something like that, where it's, you know, they've, they've moved on from college and maybe they don't, maybe they're not ready to move to a European league or what have you. They still want to keep playing. They just don't want to make that jump. Um, it is a, a, an opening as a league in the, the women's soccer structure in the U S um, UWS has a lot of teams, but there are, there, the standards vary. Um, and it's also another league that's not uh, not fully professional by any stretch. So, um, I mean, maybe this is a situation where you're getting ownership groups in that um, were maybe a little leery of UWS for whatever reason and said, okay, USL's backing might be what we need. Um, I don't know because, again, I still feel like this was announced without giving a lot of information out to anyone, and that's kind of where our for DC and for a league, the league as a whole, I'm still kind of like, well, it seems like it could be good, but also I don't know uh, what to make of it because it's a, it still seems like a surprise to me, uh, to be honest. DC just doesn't seem like a team that has the means right now uh, or the size of an organization right now to run one more team on top of everything else. But they're doing it, so maybe they know something. They, I would assume they know some things that I don't know. I mean, when you're a $710 million organ uh outfit you know maybe you have the means to do these things anyway next question things mean nothing it's true next question comes from richard rolson on twitter at rj rolson uh who asks us a couple questions uh basically it amounts to players in and players out uh if dc united were were to bring in one player during the summer transfer window what position would we recommend that to be and based on the limited sample size so far, what players do we expect DC United to move on from because they don't really fit Losada's system, whether that's this summer or or down the line this winter? 
And I'm not sure what the the number one position is. I mean, you always want a forward, but if if Kamara can start producing, if if Roberta can get healthy and start producing, then forward's less of a problem. And forward's always an expensive position. Uh, I think my answer to both questions a little bit is is left wing back or the wing backs generally, because if you're going to have Paul Ariola closer to goal, there's not a great backup for Julian Gressel and. Joseph Mora is not a good fit, I think, for yeah. Losada's system at left wing back. Paredes is much better of a fit, but that's one body in that spot. I don't know if Mora can shift inside to left center back, and if he did, I don't know if he could displace Donovan Pines in that spot or Alfaro in that spot. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe the Costa Rican international would be my answer for somebody who who could be on the way out by trade or other means. Um, by this time next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I do I have my my uh some questions about that. You know, the fact that if the team wants to be so front foot, Mora might be a little too conservative, a little too yep. in, uh, unable to beat his man since this team uh seems built to create those uh, in the wide areas seems to be, be built to create isolation, which means you have to be able to beat your man more often. Um so that's one area I wonder about. Earlier this year, I would have said central midfield, uh, but Felipe came back faster than we would have expected. Uh, the team signed Drew Skundrich to an MLS deal. Um, and so all of a sudden, central midfield feels okay. Um, you know, at the back, I feel like even if you get Pines and Burnbaum back, I still do wonder a little about speed. Um, you know, Alfaro's not slow. Uh Andy Nahar has filled in fairly admirably, so it's not an emergency. Um, it, it's interesting how the roster has seemed to fit in kind of well with the way Losada wants to play, despite not being built for it. This is not a, a team built to play a very different style and hasn't right. really been changed. Um, I, I think you can make an argument that the attack still needs to be uh, maybe not a forward, you know, as Adam said, Kamara, Roberta. Uh, Perez has played well. Ariola's up there, um, but maybe someone with a creative bent uh, because you know Edison Flores has shown some stuff this year, but it hasn't been enough to carry the creative load by himself. Um, Jordi Rain is only just back. We we haven't seen that much from him in a DC shirt yet, but what we have seen indicates that you could use more creativity. He's not bad, but he's not again like starting caliber playoff team uh, attacking creative type. Um, there, there's a lot of not bad. Uh, it's one of those things where there's not an obvious hole. You're not looking at the roster and saying like the starting lineup has this spot where you're like, oh, that's got to change. Um, and the roster's full. So it's also a situation where someone will have to go for anyone to come in. Well, and speaking of players that might, might go, I mean, Yamil Assad hasn't been able to break into the lineup recently, despite not being hurt as far as is publicly known uh, and he takes up a lot of money. He takes up an international spot. And if you can't break through at that level, he's that, that might be a player who uh, could get moved because again, that was not a player that uh, Ernan Losada chose to bring back in. That had been a long time. Uh, Dave Casper uh, target that they wanted back. He played, he played very well his first go around with DC United, but, who knows if he's uh, uh, really a part of 
Hernan Losada's plans. And you could do a lot of things with his salary and with his roster spot if you uh, decide to uh, let him move on. And so that could be a possibility where uh, they decide to do to go a different direction with that salary and that roster spot. Yeah, and at the same time, though, Losada on this podcast specifically mentioned Yamil Losada as someone who he was planning to build around and put close to goal so that he can he can succeed and it just hasn't worked out for him. Um, so I wonder if if it's a, a temporary thing or and Assad can work his way back into consideration or if it's more he's he's on the way up because on paper, you know, he he played for Tata Martino in Atlanta very pressing system there and, and did really well. And he's, he's a good pressing player, um, especially in that wing spot, but he hasn't been performing for DC United and he hasn't gotten into, into the game. And we actually got a question from uh, a listener specifically about Assad and, and what his fate might be. But um, yeah, he, you're absolutely right. He's a candidate to, to move on at this point, uh, whether that's a trade in the league, maybe uh, I, I, I know if Rob Ussery, our friend, was was the GM of Atlanta, he would move heaven and earth to get Jamil back into MBS, but um, he's not. So I don't know what the, what the the end result is is there. If you want to send Joseph Martinez, uh, sure. <laughs> Straight up. Are, are, are we going to discuss that question, or are we, should we just build our answers into right now? Right now. Uh, I mean, we're talking about Assad, so just go for it. All right. Well, I, yeah. So I, I did see that question in the the replies, and I, I figured we would get to it because that is a that's an unexpected situation. Um, I don't think anyone expected. You know, there was the question of is Assad a starter once everyone is back healthy? Because you have Flores and Ariola and Kamara or Roberta up front, uh, and and Losada said he wanted him closer to goal. So. That was a question, but I don't think any of us really expected uh, him to be not having whole games where he wasn't playing while he was healthy yep. and available. Yeah, he's basically um, been a non-factor this season so far. Yeah, um, he really he really has, especially as the weeks have gone on. Um, he's faded out from being, you know, first choice to maybe not first choice, but he's still playing because there's some knocks. And um, I'm bringing up... Uh, one of my my many spreadsheets and yeah it's all of a sudden gone to over the last four games he's made two substitute appearances and then against philly against miami he didn't play and he was available he was healthy it's not on the injury report there was no mention of him having a knock or anything like that um so yeah that's a that's kind of a an unexpected development especially given what type of player he is the his ability to press in the past was a you know a, a pretty pretty obvious fit it seemed like for the way Losada wanted to play but now he's not getting in so um I I don't know what to make of it I I know we had questions about his play when he was starting um that he was not really making an impact on the games that he was playing in um so that's a big you know it's kind of a it's kind of a worry for him if he's getting outplayed not just by Flores or Ariola and, and Adrian Perez breaking through more so than I think anyone really expected by this point. Um, but if Lozana is also saying that like, okay, Drew Skundrich is, is fit, ready to go. I'm going to push him further, closer to goal than right. he's ever played before as a professional um, over Assad. Uh, that's not, not 
not to knock Drew Skundrich, it's just like, well, what is Assad's place in the pecking order at that right. point? Right, and, and like if that's Skundrich pl- and Skundrich played well in that role, so right. it, it it doubly it it I feel like it proves that Losada knew what he was doing, putting him above Assad. Yeah, the, the the thing that the thing that gets me with Assad is basically, I think we know from his past that he can be a very, very effective MLS player. We're talking about someone that can get, maybe he hasn't had that 10 goal, 10 assist season yet, but he can get pretty close. Um, And we know he can do that in high pressing systems as well as selective pressing systems. Um, So we know he's got it in him and we just haven't seen it in so long. Uh, You do start to wonder if it's ever going to come back. Um, I have to assume that this break uh, in the schedule and the training time has been a major moment for Assad because now it's every day that he doesn't have to worry about, well, I didn't get to make my case on the field in a game. It's just two weeks of training, make your case or three weeks of training, make your case right here on the training ground against the guys that have been keeping you out. Um, so if we come back against Miami and he is healthy and, you know, he's on the bench and doesn't play again, that's that to me would be a pretty big red flag. It's already we're already kind of in red flag territory, but if this opportunity passes him by and he hasn't made any visible uh, progress in Lozada's eyes, then you have to start to wonder. You know, that's you have to a, assume he's on the trading territory. block at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next question comes from uh, Gregory Koch, who's who's been a listener and contributed to many fil- uh, Twitter boxes over the years. He says his birthday's in two days. Which MLS mascot should he eat for his birthday dinner? Rapid Man. You're going to eat Rapid Ooh. Man. Well, it, I'm I'm thinking in terms of Gregory's, uh, you know, what he's taking in, um, and also just in general. Cosmo, like, there's a lot of chemicals. There. There's a lot of yeah. Cosmo. Cosmo's the obvious answer for me. Re- really, you you're going to eat. Cosmo. You're going to have. You're going to have Gregory eat something that came from space that we don't know even what Cosmo is made of. Rapid Man is made of uh, mountain water. I think I can wrap my head around that. Cosmo, who knows what kind of <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if face Gregory, minerals and and space I don't know elements. if Gregory works for the federal government or somewhere where he has to submit to drug tests. But Rapid Man, if you eat Rapid Man, you're not passing a drug test. I can tell you that much. <laughs> okay, but like if you eat Cosmo, like the whole like the whole galaxy might collapse on us, or or maybe you shall don't become we a galaxy that? of your own. Jason, don't we maybe he gets superpowers that and doesn't have to worry about drug tests anymore. Okay, but realistically, like most superhero origin stories, end with someone dead. Um, and this sounds like, oh, but it's a superhero origin story. Like, no, you ate Cosmo, and he was full of space minerals that your body wasn't prepared for, and you died. <laughs> like Peter Parker probably would have died from the spider bite uh, that was radioactive, and and Doctor Manhattan shouldn't have come out of that uh, booth. Uh, able to piece himself back together over many months he should have it just that was it for him he's gone and that's why everyone was so scared um so yeah i do not uh gregory i but do also, not there are too many human to there are too many Cosmo. humanoid there are too many humanoid uh uh mls mascots we can't like have gregory eat like the 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 musketeers of the new england revolution no that's, that's a literal me, cannibalism yes can't have uh, me crew cat what we need, I don't know. Maybe he could eat crew cat. I don't want him to eat lions no! because there's too much hunting of lions. And there are so many lion mascots. 
What we need is a so mascot that is like an actual piece of food you already. We can't have FC Dallas. It, the cow, the bull from FC Dallas. We're just gonna go normcore and say, "Eat a steak, eat FC Dallas." We need a fried, like a, a a big, a gigantic piece of fried chicken is a mascot for a team. Someone's got to do that. Uh, I guess Charlotte, you're up next. So there you go. Or, Problem or, solved, or Charlotte. They're gonna, they're, they're gonna have like pork butt for Charlotte. Adam, get your cousin Clay. Adam, get your cousin Clay to to make uh, a Nashville hot chicken mascot that, right. that uh, Gregory can eat. I, I'm thinking I, like I'm, a pulled I'm pork sandwich uh, that has like googly eyes on it, and it's yes. it's like no, but also uh, like a Mayor Charlotte design. doesn't have good. Yes, Charlotte doesn't have good barbecue. It, it, they're, yeah, they're, but it's a food stuff is the important thing. Like I'm trying to uh, right, but they're not part of the good barbecue area of North Carolina. But the, if the, the the choice here is like questionable barbecue or possibly cannibalism or like eating a space mineral, I, I don't know. And also, Rapid Man really is you, made of water, so that's not a full meal. I have to take that back. I also, before now. you North Carolinians <laughs> at me, you either need to go to Lexington or Eastern North Carolina for your barbecue. Thank you. Next question comes from Parasaurolophus at Lophus eighty nine, another uh, oft- often contributor to the Twitter box who uh, says DC United doesn't play a single home game starting earlier than seven 30 the rest of the way, uh, except for July 3rd, that game's earlier. Um, should United pursue having at least a handful of kid friendly start times on the schedule once the pandemic is over anyway? Um, I've, I've been on record a long time about this. I want in the spring and the fall, basically before Memorial day, after labor day, I want as many afternoon kickoff times as possible. Um, not just to bring my kids, but I think it's a, a good opportunity to own that time slot uh, on TV, especially with the Premier League on the Premier League on a station that's controlled essentially by the people who have DC United's TV rights now. So there's a chance to, you know, tie DC United to the the Premier League and try to pull some new viewers in because this area has a ton of premier league viewers and like leads the nation in premier league ratings every year. So uh, I would like afternoon kickoff times, not in the summertime because it's too damn hot, but um, both for my kids and for strategic reasons, I think it makes a lot of sense personally. I know Jason wants more DCU after dark in his life. Uh, I told people at the last spirit game after all of us were just absolutely uh, brutally destroyed by the hot rays of the deadly sun. Um, that uh, if I owned a professional soccer team, the the start of that conversation within our offices as to what time games would start would be me saying games should start at ten or later, um, or so Jason later, possibly even after midnight. Um, so Jason, what you're saying is, ever since the beginning of time, man has yearned to destroy the sun, and never more so than uh, all. <laughs> on a like 92 degree DC summer day with the sun having absolutely nothing between you and it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do understand like, like joking aside, like I do understand that the late kickoff times are bad for kids and that it's, I remember I went to these games as a kid. I remember how fun it was. Um, I do think that there is a weather problem with playing them much early, uh, much earlier. And also the realities of the stadium are that for most of the year, uh, playing games before eight o'clock means being the, the camera side, the announcing side, the meat. So media and broadcasting 
is kind of screwed because of the so, because of the stadium situation. The sun is in your is eyes. A it's volcano. Hard. What we need is a volcano with a giant mechanical uh, 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 sunblock that'll just it'll just come out of I guess the uh, uh, National Defense University and it'll just like rise up and block the sun. So you might already fine. have one. They might already yeah, have I mean, that. they might. It's um, true. The the other solution to this would be like a completed roof on that side of the stadium. Um, I like mean, a, as, a giant or, sun blocker or sounds more, more reasonable. Yes. Um, yeah, pro- Ben's solution is probably more likely to happen in the near future. Um, but uh, yeah, the, 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 time, the kickoff time situation is rough because the way the stadium is built, uh, like the complaints about the sun from media people, I can't emphasize enough. This isn't like a minor complaint, like, oh, the the food wasn't very good. No, this is like, I'm seeing spots the next day. Um, like, I can't think. I can't do my job because it's too bright. The the My monitor is is reflecting too much light, and I can't see what's on my screen. Like, it's do, to that degree. Do they just need to give you all, like, eclipse glasses? I, I, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think the best solution is an actual object blocking the sun in that direction. Um, because then all of a sudden it becomes less of an issue. That's and too so reasonable, we don't have Jason. To we got we to gotta go with something else. That's 8 too reasonable. 8 p.m. or later. Um, but again, if it's me and me alone, if I become a crazy billionaire, uh, I'm going to leave the blocking out the sun idea to the side and have my team only play very late at night like, to a farcical degree. Well, if you're a crazy billionaire, you can just finish the GD roof. I prefer my 10 to 12 p.m. <laughs> kickoff times. Uh, I think that's the easy thing for everyone. DCU after dark every day. Ben, this is a question for you and only you from Trevor Crowell yes. at the Bad yes. Idea Labs. I'm ready. Uh, he, he sent us a picture of a cover of the worst tabloid, The Sun, um, which is its, its Euro preview and for some reason features James Corden and Jose Mourinho on the cover. Yes. And one of the taglines is Jose and James talk England pens and Kane. And Trevor wants to know of the two of them, which do you think is the bigger fan of the pilot G2? Well, neither. And here's, here's why I say that. Uh, I think Jose Mourinho prefers uh, a Visconti pen, which is extremely expensive, and but also they have quality control issues. So you're paying $500, literally $500 or more for a pen, but it, like, it might write badly. You just never know. Like sometimes they write fine and sometimes they suck. I feel like James Corden is more like a uh, a papermate erasable pen. Just bad quality, sucks all around, and like the erasing doesn't work. The pen is bad. But he got hooked on um, it in fourth grade. Right, but you got hooked on it in fourth grade, and now you can't do uh, anything else. Um, the G two is a good pen. Like we've talked about it, I've I've it's I've no scoped my preference. I've no scoped Adam on his G two multiple times. I'm still in this podcast from when you did that. G two is a good pen. Um, so yes, those are my pen opinions about those two people. So we're going to end this segment with, uh, or this episode, I guess, with kind of a reverse mailbag. I submitted a question to the folks at Extra Time, and it got on their show this week. I asked which teams are the most uh, are overperforming and underperforming their, you know, metrics um, the most, and and who, so who's most likely to cross the playoff line? I had a certain team in mind based on my read of them. Um, Matt Doyle answered the question, uh, saying NYCFC have been really good, but that their numbers are actually even better, and he's not wrong. I went to American Soccer Analysis, 
and looked at their goals added and and uh, goals expected or expected goals numbers. And NYC is is right at the top. But uh, the, the team that's sixth in the league and fourth in the Eastern Conference on their goals plus metric is uh, a little club known as DC United. And they're also in the top 10 on expected goal differential and expected points using their their expected goals model. Um, DC United's pretty good, guys. And I think we'll hopefully start to see more of that, not just against Miami going forward. Um, I'm excited. I think this is legitimately a playoff team and the the back two thirds of this season could be really fun. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to have two games against inner Miami back to back because I feel like it's helping this team round into shape this upcoming game uh, 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 pending, of course, Uh, but this is the right time uh, for this team to get to play one of the worst teams uh, in the league back to back. And hopefully that helps uh, start to turn the rest of the season around, start to propel them uh, towards uh, uh, better and better things. I definitely think they can and should be a playoff team uh, in the East. And I think this is the starting point for uh, going towards that goal. Yeah, one thing to note, or I guess a couple things to note, on the goals added model, DC United's like third in the league on defensive goals added and middle of the pack in the attack. So they have plenty of room to improve, which which is how it's felt too. Yeah, exactly. Um, They've felt like one of the best defensive teams in the league that have maybe been a little unlucky uh, to have, you know, seller on goals, et cetera, um, go against them. Um, And that the attack has been, you know, not great, but also not like as bad. There was a little stretch there where they couldn't really score and it felt worse than it was, but it was also like, the ball, you know, I think I even wrote on an article on our site, like the ball is going to go in. Um, we had one weekend where that was the theme for the Spirit and United at the same time, which was not a lot of fun. But then uh, things changed uh, more recently. So that was a pleasant thing. But yeah, um, th- those numbers do kind of match up what I would have expected. I knew Adam was going to look those things or had those numbers and I wasn't going to look them up because I wanted to be surprised by them. Um, and they're pretty much what I would have more but or less you're not thought. surprised maybe, at them because they're what they're we've been talking slightly, about. Especially the first set, maybe slightly better than I thought, but like really, really slightly. Um, no, this is this is a really difficult team for everyone to play against. Um, and the attack seems to be making progress. So that middle of the road seems like it's drifting towards maybe top third. Um, and if you are as as if anything, if any DC United fans know, if you're a team that is one of the best defensive teams in the league and you have a middle of the road attack that gets up to like maybe top 10, like 10th or 11th, you can go pretty far um, in MLS. So if that trend continues, if they can keep that going, um, I mean, there could even be room to improve defending too. They could be more disruptive to opponents uh, than they've been. So I'm sure Losada wants them to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so there's plenty of room to get to that point. And so, yeah, it does, it feels like a very good place to be in. And I'm, I'm, not surprised that the numbers say that things are at least on paper, at least mathematically trending in the right direction. Hopefully the results continue to echo that too. That would be nice. Uh, Sorry to everyone who submitted questions. We got a lot of good questions and we're unable to get to all of them. So uh, keep them coming. Uh, We'll we'll do more Twitter boxes maybe going forward. We'll see. Uh, Certainly when we have bye weeks we will try to throw a Twitter box in every now and again. Um, 
But that will do it for for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com if you want to support us financially. Do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Patrons, of course, get the second episode each week early. Uh, everyone else has to wait until later in the week, but patrons get it very early. This week, that's Lizzie Becherano from 90minute.com who will be helping us preview DC United's game against Inter-Miami this weekend. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at Black and Red U for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. So when you are on Water Street or at Bardo or the Salt Line before the game on Saturday, uh, make sure to mention to the person next to you uh, that that you listened to the podcast and, and got some good intel on what was going on. Thanks again for listening. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. 1 a.m. kickoffs. You're a monster. <laughs>